0: Hi and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois.
1: Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 204. Tonight, Matt and I get the opportunity to talk with Colorado-based voiceover actor Aaron Miller. We discuss what types of acting and VO work he does, how did he get into it, what does he like most about it. We discuss his setup and equipment, and he gives some advice for people who'd like to get into voiceover acting. Enjoy the show.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Indie Music Podcast. Tonight, we have with us special guest Aaron Miller, a voiceover actor from Colorado. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for
2: having me, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah. Welcome, Aaron. It's uh, really exciting. I've been listening to the podcast a bunch lately, so uh, it feels like I'm meeting you guys, even though I've already felt like I've met you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. That's a weird sensation, isn't
2: it? It is. It is. Yeah. But it's cool. It is. That's the neat thing about podcasting
0: glad that you enjoy it.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for being a listener. Any particular episodes? Yeah, definitely. I was listening. It was funny because I was listening way back. I think it was uh, episode seven that I heard you uh, you you're breaking down kind of some of your audio uh, process for recording a uh, another voiceover artist. I think you were doing an audio book or something. Oh, yeah. And it was was just really cool because you guys had a lot of the same uh, problem solving approaches that I have. So it's, it's neat to always be like oh yeah I, I do the same thing or I try to figure it out the same way
1: <laughs> yeah you figure out some things that work and and figure out things that don't work and, you know just experimentation is there's a lot of fun in that too right absolutely but uh
0: um, so what type of uh, what type of voice acting do you do what's your what's your main um,
2: gig yeah so right now I would say uh, commercial, like voiceover ads, I would say, is my main thing. It's it's always kind of changing. You kind of have to be flexible with voiceover, obviously. But the, the commercial ads, I really find, um, you know, it might be something like a small 30-second ad. And that could be a, a nice little project that you can whip out in, you know, less than an hour usually um, and make a nice little penny. So
1: cool. Okay. I, I need to know. Do you ever... Do you ever get a script and don't rehearse it and you just like go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, it's interesting because sight reading is it's something that I I've practiced with audiobooks the most. And that's kind of where I got my start, to be honest. But with with sight reading, it's fun because, you know, sometimes the client will ask for the most authentic, non scripted sounding uh, performance. and. I find that those are the times that are really fun to just, all right, well, I'm going to just sight read this and see what he, see what the client thinks. And they're usually, that's like the thing that they're looking for. And so that's, I think the biggest thing with, with a lot of, uh, starting voice actors is they think that they have to have some, you know, uh, great sounding monster truck voice or, you know, something that's right. crazy out of the box, <laughs> but you can actually just be yourself is a big thing. Sunday, Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh
2: but yeah, that's I think practicing those voices is a good way to sort of balance yourself. Like, you know, you'll you'll hear those ads all the time. And and I do occasionally do ads like that, but uh, you know, being able to just be yourself, I think is how you can just kind of sight read like that.
0: <laughs> well, now I have even more questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: I got a question. <laughs> do you usually do your voice or Do you find that, do you have requested like really do like inflections and we want it to sound like a child or whatever, but (laughs) what type of voice acting or VO work? And maybe that's not you, but I know that there's a lot of VO actors out there that do impersonation voices and things.
2: It's a a balance, you know? So like when you practice uh, Sunday, 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 when you really like do a 100% full bore of that you kind of get an idea of like what going full means. And then you can just be like, you know what? I'm going to do like 2% of that with my own voice. And I find that like, that's the balance of, of kind of just like, well, I can just be myself. And a lot of times the, the script will say like, I need you to sound like a 30 year old male with a deep voice. And I'm like, that's who I am. (laughs) Uh, So they're literally asking you to be you a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you do get notes, like um, like a, a you get a prompt, and you get kind of notes. We here's your script. We want it to sound kind of like this. And how much back and forth is there? Because uh, I take it you record out of your home.
2: Yeah. So sometimes there's. A lot of back and forth, uh, like, and I just did an audio book the other day and the guy was really passionate about his message going along with the audiobook. And so we ended up having like a three hour long conversation just about oh, wow. how to get the right tone. And the whole audio book was less than, or it was just over an hour long. So it oh, was like more prep for the actual <laughs> job, but then there's other jobs, my typical bread and butter where they might not have any notes. It'll just be, here's the script. I You have 30 minutes, get it back to me ASAP. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, wow. okay, I'm going to figure this out and make up whatever I want. And sometimes they come back with revisions. Um, sometimes they don't. And depending on what their revisions are, I might charge for that as well. Um, but typically, the notes attached with a project, I would say, would influence its success more than a lot of people think. Um, you know because mm. if you leave it that makes sense yeah if you leave it on me to figure out or make up i might come up with something cool but i might totally miss what you were trying to get with your script so it always helps to have notes
0: yeah so is there a lot of reading between the lines on what they ask or are they pretty explicit
2: yes there is a lot of reading between the lines there's it's, <laughs> it's weird feeling. how a lot of you know little things like a comma will really trip you up you're like you put a comma here Ooh. so i want to pause but then they're like no just don't pause. (laughs) Um, So you're kind of like punctuation is a big thing. Um, Some people will over punctuate just to try and, you know, get their message, maybe bold words and stuff like that. And that usually helps actually, but not everyone takes the time to do that. So interesting. But I mean, notes, notes are really, they're the most critical thing when it comes to just like, Hey, I need an extra explanation by what you mean by try and sound like a dog from space, um, (laughs) or something (laughs) like that. You (laughs) You get some of the most random scripts where they're like,
1: pretend you're this or that. And you're like, okay,
2: what the heck is that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was your path to get into VO acting recording?
2: Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, Probably sounds kind of typical to a lot of voice actors in that ACX was a big starting point for me. Uh, ACX.com, it's where uh, I want to say Audible or Amazon is posting uh, open auditions for audiobook uh, narrators. And what I found is that it's the best place to go for a few different reasons as a beginner. Um, but mainly just because you can openly audition for free um to projects that you might get paid for and so cool. i started there and to be honest uh it was sort of just like one of those like all right i'm trying to make this audio business work i'm not exactly i wasn't i didn't consider myself a voice actor um but i saw that people were making money reading audiobooks and so i decided right. to audition to i think. 10 oh. different books, the first audition round. And it was oh, just wow. like, I'm going to just choose 10 audiobooks, audition to all of them, see what happens. And lo and behold, someone at the end of that hired me. I think I made like 250 bucks for my first audiobook. And for me, nice. I was able to finish that in one day. And it was sort of like, compared to my old job, I was definitely making more money like overnight at that moment. <laughs> um, wow. So.
0: So for an audition, you don't read a whole book or a whole chapter, no. right? It's something a little lighter weight than that.
2: No. Yeah. It's it's usually up to the author. Um, and that's a big indicator for me um, on if I should audition for a book. There are literally some books you open up the audition script and they will post the whole book and they're just like, figure oh, it wow. out or send me a chapter that you like or something. <laughs> and I'm I'm a little bit more specific and focused with my product, or I try to be. Um, and so when you have somebody that's like explaining, Hey, these are the, uh, the narration notes of what you should sound like. And here's a couple, you know, uh, input character ideas or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. it really helps with the audition and then you can actually make something good. And even if it's a 15 minute long audition or something, um, usually getting through those kind of proves yourself to the client and I find that like just doing it is kind of like half the battle. It's a big mindset thing, really.
0: Well, that's interesting. Now, I kind of have, being audio people, uh, I have audio-related questions. Before before we get into I want to hear about your setup. But uh, it just occurred to me, how much of the like post-processing stuff do you do? Or do you just kind of record it and then hand them over your recording? And then somebody on the other end does the production work of you know, editing it or compressing it or just making it sound, you know what I mean, professional, or is that your job?
2: So that is usually my job. I've, uh, I want to say 95% of the time I'm on, I'm supposed to do that. Um, I will say that when it comes to the commercial stuff, uh, I usually am just handing them a a really nicely mixed vocal. And if there's like post music, that's going to be added to that or something, uh, usually that's handled by another team. But uh, for the most part, I would say that it's important as all heck for any voice actor trying to get into it to know as much as they can about mixing or mastering their own voice. Um, Just because you're not typically going to find a client who has the ability to push it to that level and hear what your voice would sound like in a final state. Um, So, yeah.
0: That makes sense.
1: You know, I think Matt and I kind of fancy ourselves as wanna be vo actors
0: <laughs> i know that i am I, <laughs> well, I can tell
1: you i i almost went the
0: acting route really yeah i was i was um i was almost like at the flip a coin level of of being an, an acting major or like a drama major or a, a writing major and i ended up choosing writing
2: that's <laughs> yeah i think they're two very uh related fields um <laughs> I can tell you that there are times where people have really poor, you know, no offense to them, but really poorly written scripts or grammar and having just a little bit of writing chops, it really comes in handy. Um, Just being able to give them suggestions and be like, hey, would you like me to proofread this for an extra 50 bucks? You know, that's a easy tack on that a lot of people appreciate and usually, frankly, need.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of that. It's uh, surprising how many times I'm 75% of the way through an audiobook and then I'm like, wow, did they just hire a robot to write the rest of this? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. I
0: swear with Grammarly and, and stuff, I mean I even have a, a plugin in my browser now that helps me spell check stuff as I go, not because I can't spell, but because you know I type really fast and I get kind of sloppy. But yeah. Um, yeah, there's tools now for that stuff,
2: but I've suggested it. It's good to know how to just, I feel like there's a, there's also the like publisher versus the author sort of thing. Like, are you talking to a publisher who might not really care to be honest or, or a writer who's really going to be like hanging on every word? Um, right, right. But yeah, that's, that's That's who you're interested. I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think watching TV pretty much is about enough training to get into as far as acting goes i mean i probably a lot okay. of a lot of voice actors might disagree but i think that you know just being <laughs> in the school play growing up being in choir being in taking a public speaking class in college like that's like about my background of acting training so it's really just
0: well it sounds cool it sounds like you're 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 making a living at it and you're not only that but you're enjoying it it sounds like
2: yes uh the freedom is the biggest thing you know Uh, getting out of the office was kind of a big deal for me when I went full-time as a voice actor. So definitely the perks are good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of one of the draws of what we do is kind of the set your own hours thing. And it sounds like there's some of the same, there's some similarities there, not just the the post-production, but also the the notes and the conversations and the making sure you get it right and the revisions
2: and that kind of thing.
0: There are definitely some some parallels between the kind of stuff that we do and the kind of stuff that you're doing.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. uh, When it comes to clients, I'd say that's the biggest thing I can listen to your guys's podcast and literally just imagine that it's me dealing with voice acting clients and it's all the same lessons pretty much, you know, so that's really always kind of a neat parallel to connect with uh, other engineers about. And that's also kind of why I think that voice actors need to be able to step up and handle their own audio, at least to some degree, uh, just because I'm a full timer and I'm doing that. So if you aren't doing that, then how are you going to compete with, like, for example, my speed, the level of speed? And that's not to brag. It's just a, a truthful statement that I've seen other voice actors who can't keep up with the production level that needs to happen. Uh, simply because they're sending all their work off to someone else to be mixed or whatever
0: oh and they have and having to wait on yeah them. yeah
2: and and the client doesn't really care about that, so uh, they just want their stuff in twenty minutes or whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that kind of reminded well, me I read a uh, just a random quote today by uh, Leonard Bernstein and what like the keys to success or in order to achieve great things you need two important aspects which are a plan and not quite enough time. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> that's a good one.
1: Definitely, especially with audio Yeah, audiobooks. that sounds
0: like something he would say.
2: Sorry, you guys are.
0: Yeah, you know what? The deadlines do is they help you kind of get over yourself and just get to the work. And like make they for it forces you to get out of your own way because usually we just fret and and spin and and all that stuff which is emotional and has nothing to do with the work.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it just just get to it. A lot of the time uh, I find that some of the websites, it sounds weird to say this, but um, the websites that I interact with are usually pretty helpful with keeping on top of that kind of stuff. Um, You know, a lot of people will frown on freelancing websites and stuff like that. But truth is, is a lot of times they have built in features that kind of either prompt you or keep you on top of stuff. And to be honest, that's where I meet a lot of my clients anyway, so it's it ends up usually being like, oh, this is where I'm keeping track of these people, and there's where I'm keeping track of my audiobooks, and that sort of thing.
0: Oh, I see what you mean.
2: Um, well, that's but cool. It's, it's,
0: well, you and I connected on, on a, what was it, a webinar or a Facebook group yeah, or something? Yeah, you're right.
2: I've actually forgotten. It was, um, was it a music sync thing, I think, something like that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a webinar. And we were just uh, sometimes
2: webinars. They kind of get a little
0: either salesy or boring, and then the real action actually happens in the in the chat box. People saying, "Hey, I'm from here and I do this," and "Hey, I'm from here and I do this," and "Hey, you want to collaborate or you want to, you know, you need this, hit me up." And it, it just becomes kind of like a little a little, <laughs> a little quick community builds there in the in the chat and these webinars sometimes. It,
2: yeah? And that's such an underestimated place. I feel like um, not for just for making contacts, but for uh, meeting people who actually are interested in the same stuff. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, it's, it's like, I would say for my audio, actually, I, I mean, I think I did some online courses that were advanced, like mixing for like music and stuff like that. And some of the people that I met there, you know, are, I'm still friends with, and I still chat with and, and we're just learning different things, but it's, it's, Kind of the same, and so we're we're all in it together, and that's a neat feeling to have in the audio community. Well, tell us a little about tell us a little bit about your
0: setup, your home setup. How do you uh, how do you how do you record, and what are the I don't know what are the things that you've had to do to set up your space so that you can get a nice quiet recording?
1: Yeah. Hey, I I read one of your your comments in our one of our emails on episode seven, and you were kind of digging on the uh, moving blanket idea.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a classic, uh, I swear by him. It's, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I've, I've worked with some of the quality control teams who can pinpoint amazing things. And you're like, wow, I didn't hear that. And usually, uh, I would say up until about six months ago, they would call me out on a certain type of reverb and it would mean, okay, I'm busting out the blanket. Cause that's the only way I know how to deal with it. Um, (laughs) oh funny and you know I'll just say that that's kind of the bottom line with voice acting it's kind of you know like don't assume that the things you've heard are the standard norms because that's I mean my studio is (laughs) not typical in any way Um, building it out actually was really fun because over time I've sort of had this like well maybe I can just get away with using my regular mic I already have and when I started out, I'll be honest, that was just a regular, uh, SM58, um, plugged into a really old consumer mixer, uh, that has a USB right into my computer. Oh, wow. And, uh, for a long,
1: go ahead. Are you like a microphone geek? I, how many <laughs>
2: microphones do you have? I wish I was, uh, let's see. I have, I'm a, I'm a sure microphone <laughs> geek is what I'll say, um, because what I found is... Are you a 7B I got, guy? Yeah, I use my 7B now, and that's going into my Tascam interface, which is then going into my tablet. Um, and what's cool is I just, I, I hate to say this, but I can still, or maybe I don't hate to say it, but I can still get a uh, nearly as good quality with my SM58 as my 7B. And it's really just because it all comes down to a lot of things in post is what I found.
1: Interesting. How about with your 7B, do you have an additional preamp for that? No, I don't. Um, I'm running that direct. Well,
2: I guess let's see. So on my Tascam interface, there's a little, what is it? A plus 48V little switch. Right. And I got, yep. I got that switched on. Um, but it doesn't, you know, obviously everyone talks about having to crank the SM7B. Um, I find that you can actually work with a larger range than most people will give it credit for.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Especially if you have a low noise floor in the area you're recording, it's not quite as important. Yeah. I mean, if you can hit, I know this is going to sound crazy, but
2: I've, I've had to deal with noise floors that were hovering at like minus 42 and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I'd say that that's probably about, the worst that you can in my opinion uh you know because if you edit the heck out of it and you know how to just get rid of everything that isn't necessary basically um then right. you can still work it but yeah if you have a minus 60 noise floor or something you're you're golden
1: <laughs> yeah well that makes sense then your mic is sensitive enough to not have that noise floor you know causing bad effects in in the actual recording that you can't Without adding a noise gate and things like that. Right. Yeah, and I tip...
2: Which you can do. I typically use a noise gate just to deal with uh, everything below what I call breath volume. So I'll set my noise gate to literally be below uh, where my breath volume, typically when I'm like like going like that sort of thing. And I find that doing that, it just makes sure that like... Because, you know, I I live... Right off of a main street,
1: I'm gating on the way in through a preamplifier, and it's just a it's a vocal channel strip basically. And I haven't been doing anything else, and Matt hasn't complained at all. In like in the six months, I no, you're uh, you got pretty <laughs> clean audio. I I just have a gate
0: plug in on my track that I record on, and then I go back and I I'll clean up you know some in-between stuff or if it's if it's sparse enough i'll just do strip silence and then keep the threshold so that i don't cut off ends of words
1: and stuff yeah well whatever you're doing keep doing it because you got that silky smooth thing going on (laughs) for
2: sure and honestly like compared to some of the productions that i've heard your guys's vocal quality sounds great so i mean if i were you guys i'd get on auditioning tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, back in episode list. one, and it kind of started there, we we were assessing what the quality of our audio was, you know, and, and we were like, oh, man, we got to do something about this.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, right off the bat. I mean, this is the third microphone that I've tried yeah. this with. This is the one I landed on.
1: Yeah, and you got it. This is my third one, too, I think.
2: You, you really do have to try everything. I remember going through and and if you count like for example how many places can you listen back you know as a common one and people underestimate those sources like for instance if I look around and I count last I checked I can get at least 10 different sources to hear back my audio and it's like wow that's a lot of sources maybe to some people but actually if you just think about like there's your phone there's your computer there's you know all these other little speakers the bluetooth speakers are a good one and testing right. those like with your voice wow there's so many different things that I've learned from different types of speakers uh, it's it's mind-blowing
0: <laughs> yeah it's totally true like headphones earbuds um, use your Alexa to play through your phone exactly um, Bluetooth speaker all that stuff test
1: it all yeah that's something I'm very interested in and I refer to that as translation and how does yes. uh, a recording translate across different. Um, playback systems.
2: Yeah. So like when I'm testing my tablet playback, it's translation. I'm listening for transient issues, which is like really weird to say, but I'll get all the way to the very end of my production. And I'm like, all right, this voice recording sounds great. Listen to it on my tablet. And there will be like a click or a pop that I didn't hear anywhere else. And I think it's just because it's such a small mono speaker that it like, forces transients to be a little bit more noticeable maybe um not really sure but
1: take taking note checking transients all right
2: (laughs) yeah exactly um but like other things you know you go to uh, acx.com and they'll have like audio standards that are like you know if, if you're sending in your final uh project you have to follow all of these standards you know your pe you can't peak above minus three d b uh you have to have about minus eighteen on the uh loudness reading um like little things like that that are just like, oh, like now that I know that, I'll just shoot for that and see how good I can make that sound sort of thing um that's another skill that i I think that's kind of like the hidden skill of like okay i'm I'm really just like a i don't know, I'm not like some engineer per se but i'm doing engineering when i do that if that makes sense
1: sure yeah well i know like if you're doing commercial or, or network sync type of material they're very concerned with the levels that you're recording at and what those will end up being mastered at and because there's laws related to that with regards to how loud a commercial can be and at because it needs to be within the same range as the programming material that the commercial is being played within. And thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You remember the days, man, you know? Oh, yes, I totally do. Oh, turn that <laughs> <on>. <laughs> So is that something that you are concerned with at all? Or once you're done, that's really taken over by whoever does the post engineering on that? Yeah, that's, that's one of my biggest things that I'm trying to always,
2: you know, even now as I'm talking, like I can see my waveform being generated. And if I talk really loud or talk too quiet, I could see it changing and I'll instantly know like, Hey, that input level, I'm either going to have to mix that a little differently later, uh, or maybe I should re-speak that spot and just make sure that I'm projecting enough or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's cool. We don't want to have to re- create more work for ourselves in post, to trying to monitor that, as you're speaking and keeping uh, keeping track of what your levels look like in your waveform, or if you have any um, metering tools that you can watch while you're, rec- those might be distracting though. Uh, perhaps when you're trying to do a read, yes, but it, it can it, be. So really, it's probably more of just getting a feel for how loud you are in your headphones, and always making sure that your your mic level and your phones volume level or or where you expect them to be before you get started so that you're hearing at the same level that you're used to. And that's just something that you practice, I suppose.
2: Yes, it's something that you practice. And also I have a template. It's my uh, golden voiceover template, and I can use it for any sort of voice project um, as a starting point. And for that, it's it's really important to practice it and test it, like you said. Another thing, though, I, I it's funny you mentioned, because I, I do think it's important to listen back and hear and make sure and test. But I when I'm reading or when I'm speaking, I actually don't listen um, live through my system or, or listen back on my headphones, as weird as that might sound.
1: Oh, really? Oh, so you're not monitoring while you're speaking? No,
2: I'm just practicing good microphone technique and listening to my voice come out of my mouth. Ah, huh. that's cool. That is cool. I
1: wouldn't have expected Which that. Which is really natural. It is. That's the main thing. Matt and I have talked about it before. When we first started this, neither one of us were really used to hearing ourselves speak into headphones <laughs> at the time that we're recording and how awkward that really is.
0: Yeah, well, it was really weird at the beginning. I'd forgotten all about yeah.
1: that. Yeah, it's like nothing now. I don't even think about it. But but yeah, I think for anybody who's just starting out, that that's like a really awkward feeling to hear yourself in headphones but it's so much more natural just to speak like you always do like you're speaking with someone else or reading a story or whatever and just hearing your own voice you know through your mouth yeah I'm
0: wearing semi open backs right now and it's a different experience but um, that might be a good kind of hybrid solution for somebody who wants to monitor a little more closely but also wants to
1: hear the natural sound in the room yeah I can't do that because my microphone will pick up all the bleed out of my headphones. Oh. Right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you don't want that. a lot
2: of issues with that that I ran into as well as just uh lag delay that I was like, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. And you're right. It, you can hear yourself so much more cleanly and more naturally. So, but it also opens cool. up the idea of listening to music while I narrate, which is something that I've gotten into lately, <laughs> which is uh pretty interesting. Um Kind of a neat little toy I've been messing around with the uh bone conduction headphones. I don't know if you've ever seen those, oh, but uh they're really neat. um they basically sit above your ear and they kind of like uh vibrate the sound into your like temporal like temple area sort of thing <laughs> it's so, so it's weird, but then, like you get used to it and now, now so like now I can hear everything around me, and I can hear what's coming through those headphones, so
1: it's it's like this weird balance of both worlds.
0: I have never heard
1: of that. (laughs) So, I mean, real quick here before we move to the next, what's the basic setup that you'd recommend for somebody to begin in VO?
2: Yeah, so right now I have a a pretty good recommendation for that. I'm probably going to sound really biased, but um, the most important thing is going to be a good dynamic microphone if you're getting started off. I think that that's important just because... Uh, you're going to be rejecting sound. And so something that's like um, a good USB dynamic microphone that I would recommend is the Shure uh, Shure MV7. And with with that, you could literally just take whatever you might have lying around, maybe some extra blankets, uh, whatever, and that would get you going and be pretty much good to go. But if you had a little bit of money to spend, I would say... The solid microphone with a good little pop filter uh, and however you get that into your computer, whether it's an interface or if it's a USB mic, it really doesn't matter at this point. And then just working on the upper reflections when it comes to soundproofing and stuff like that is the biggest thing, I think. Oh, um, interesting. And, yeah, yeah very and cool. the higher toned reflections tend to like just come back from there, I find. So... Having something on the ceiling or being in a closet or something, you know, whatever gets it done. But uh, the, oftentimes that will sort of take away some of the, the really harsh and annoying. I, f- I found that once I started dealing with the more harsh and annoying sounding reverb, that's when it was like everyone was asking me, what microphone do you
1: have? And I'm like, "Uh, uh you know, SM58? Like, <laughs> 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 so. I've said it before that, you know, if you have a walk-in closet full of clothing... Oh, you have a up. sound booth. Totally, yeah. I think a lot of people get hung up on. You got to have the
0: perfect thing and the perfect this. And I can't get started on this thing until I get the right gear. And I got to read all these websites. Like, no, get started with what you have, what you can afford, and work from there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's literally there. There are opportunities out there who there might they might be looking for an affected voice. Maybe you're supposed to sound like you're in a closet. You know. <laughs> Right. You'd be surprised. There's so much opportunity in voiceover in that regard that uh, I can guarantee that there's somewhere out there that's going to be benefited from your production, no matter where it's at.
0: Well, that's a good place to wrap up. So, do you have a website
2: or anything else uh, that you are interested for our listeners to hear? Yeah. About? So, definitely check out my website. It's www.lunarfifth.com. That's just spelled out. Um, and you know, you might find on there that I'm able to share, like, for instance, my uh, voiceover recording template that I use in Reaper uh, uses 100 percent stock plugins. Um, I'm just cool. sharing that with people openly. I've got a bunch of other stuff on there where you can connect with me in other places, too. Um, so definitely check that out.
0: We'll do. Right. And we'll have Those that in our show notes. notes.
2: Yep. Well, thank
1: you very much, Aaron.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. It's been great talking. to yeah. It was great to meet you. And to
1: our listeners, thanks again. Yeah, thank you thanks guys. Thanks for
0: tuning in. Thanks for listening. And uh, have a great week, everybody. All right, cheers. Take care. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode
1: guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.